What's good, family? Thank you so much for joining us again on another beautiful Sunday. Fig is so happy that you're with us, as am I. You know, today, before we get started, Krista and I wanted to take time out to let each and every one of you know that we are so, so proud of you, so proud of how you've been continuing to pursue God in this season, pursuing one another in community, and continuing to be faithful with everything that you have going on in your lives. These are not normal or ordinary times or circumstances by any means, and maybe many of you feel like you're just clawing your way through, just barely getting through day by day. But we want you to know that you are doing well and that we are so proud of you. And I believe that God is looking upon each and every one of you and he's so, so proud. And so Church 99, you are doing great and you're continuing to pursue God. And we really believe that the other side of this is coming very soon. Let's continue to be faithful. Let's continue to lean in on one another and let's get through this together. We love you guys. We miss you so, so much. And we just want you to know that you're doing great. Um, We're going to get into the word. We are in a new collection called Essentials. And what we're talking about is in our lives of faith, what are the things that we cannot do without? And this season, we're talking about the theme of prayer, how prayer is absolutely essential to our lives of faith with God. Now, the first week, we define prayer as wasting time with God. In other words, there's something to be said about pursuing God in prayer without an agenda, without a goal, not a results-oriented time, but simply the goal of communion and relationship and intimacy. But how many of you know there are times in relationships where we do pursue one another with a goal in mind or with a request that we want to share? In my marriage with Krista, for example, there might be times where Krista approaches me and has a request. She asks me, can you take Fig out to go potty? And maybe there are times where I approach her and ask her, Krista, I have a request. Can you scratch my back? Many of you might not know this, but I'm an extremely needy husband. Um, I'm huge on words of affirmation and touch. And so I will approach Krista many times throughout the week in the middle of whatever she might be doing and ask her, can you just say three things that you love about me or three things that I did really well? I mean, I just really want to be a good boy. I remember one time we were in bed. It was late at night. She was falling asleep and I just decided to bug her as she was dozing off. I said, Krista, what are three things that you love about me? And I'm just waiting eagerly for the most beautiful answers to fill my love tank. And as she's falling asleep, she's just trying to pull answers out. And she's like, um, you're funny, um, you're handsome, and um, you're hungry. Hungry? <laughs> I didn't know if that was a compliment or a diss. But, but, you know, I'm just that type of person where in a relationship, there will be times where we don't approach one another just for the sake of intimacy, but we want to get something done or we're looking for some sort of result or we're coming with a request. And there are times in our relationships with God, yes, that prayer is first and foremost wasting time with God just for the sole purpose of communion. But there are times where we approach God with the request on our hearts, with something that we want to see happen in our lives or in the lives of someone that we love. And so today we're going to talk about an expression of prayer that's a little more focused and purpose-driven, and it's called intercession. And maybe you've heard the word thrown around in your churches or ministries, and maybe you have an idea or preconceived notion of what intercession and what intercessors might be. But today I believe that God wants to uh, dive us deeper into what intercession truly means and how we are called to participate in it 
as we continue to walk with God. And so we're going to get into that, but first let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you right here, right now. Would you make prayer such a desirable, beautiful thing that we see and we would want to pursue with all of our hearts? And today, as you teach us about intercession, would you put life on these words, life on this teaching, that you would inspire us to continue to pursue you in prayer? We love you. We honor you. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray, we say, amen. Uh, why don't we take a look at 1 Timothy 2.1. This is what the author is writing. He says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I don't know about you, but growing up in church, I had a certain idea of what intercession is and what intercessors are like. To be completely honest, and this was very misguided and very wrong, but I always had this understanding that intercessors are those intense prayer warriors that are so focused on heaven that sometimes they're not enough, they don't have enough awareness about what's going on here on earth. And they're always trying to spiritualize things. And, and they, they're just that special select group that God has selected to pray very intensely for everything that's going on in our lives and in our world. And very misguided understanding of what intercession and intercessors are. But I think a lot of us have preconceived notions about what intercession is and what intercessors are. And I think actually in most churches, we'll find a small group of prayer people, people who are part of the prayer ministry or, in, or the intercession ministry, and they're just continuing fervently praying um, but this was never the biblical model in other words intercession is not just a specific calling for a specific people intercession is a ministry that God has called every single believer to participate in and yes while it's true there is an office of intercession in other words there are those who are called specifically to be intercessors we find also a broader calling to the rest of the body of Christ to participate in the ministry of intercession And the first thing that we have to understand is this. Jesus models this for us because Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. If we look at Romans 8.34, it says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also what? Interceding for us. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Think about this. Jesus' teaching ministry lasted three years, but Jesus' intercession ministry has been going on for 2,000 years and is continuing to this day. In other words, Jesus at this very moment is continuing his ministry of intercession. Now we have to look in this chapter of Hebrews, Jesus is described as our high priest and the author wants us to make a connection. If you remember in the Old Testament, the high priest was the one who would enter the Holy of Holies before the presence of God and he would go in on behalf of the people. So he would go in with sacrifices, with offerings on behalf of the people, but he would also go in with petitions and requests and prayers on behalf of the people. And so we see that in this chapter, 
the author is trying to get us to see that Jesus is now our high priest. In other words, he is in the presence of the father of the king and he is praying for us. He is petitioning for us. He is interceding for us. He's saying, father, look at Kevin right now. Look at the struggle that he's experiencing. Will you help him through it? He's saying, dad, look at Jamie and all the obstacles that are before her. Would you help her break through? He is interceding for us on our behalf. But not only is Jesus interceding for us in the throne room of God, but he is also inviting us to intercede with him for our world. And so the image here, imagine this, is the father on the throne and Jesus at his right hand. The question then is, where does that put us? I want us to look at Ephesians 2.6. This is so cool. Check this out. It says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In other words, if God is on the throne, and if Jesus is at his right hand interceding for us, and we have been raised with Christ into the heavenly realms positionally, where does that put us? It puts us in direct access to the Father. Meaning first and foremost that God hears our prayers He actually hears them because we have direct access to the Father through Jesus. But the second question is this, where are we? What's the significance that we're in the throne room of God? I want you to imagine and picture a king on his throne. You might imagine that he has a scepter and, you know, his crown and his robe, but he's on his throne. You see, in the throne room, what it represents is the throne room is where decisions are made. It's where decrees and laws are continually pumped out. It's where authority and power is exercised, where everything that is happening is released. In other words, the throne room is where decisions are made. It's where action happens. And so our prayers lead to direct action upon our lives and upon our world. In other words, what we understand being in the prayer room with God and with Jesus is that prayer actually changes things at the throne room is where decisions are made it's where resources are allocated it's where prompts and laws are decreed it is where prayers are answered john mark homer gives this amazing definition for intercession that i think is uh, one of the clearest and easiest to understand he says this Intercession is the place where we join with Jesus in praying for God's will to be done in the lives and circumstances of those we love on earth as it is in heaven. And so in the practice of intercession, we are bringing people, including ourselves, and circumstances before God and asking him to move until we see his will being done. And this is why we, you know, last week we talked about why scripture is so important. It helps us understand the will of God. And so when we pray God's words, God's power is released. And so we have to remember what is God's will. God's will is always looking like heaven coming to earth. Life over death, healing over sickness, freedom over bondage. In fact, anything that doesn't look like heaven We are called to bring before God in prayer and in intercession and asking him to make on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so when we see someone who's struggling with illness or disease or sickness, we are called to intercession. When we see injustice, we are called to intercession. When we see racism or poverty or corruption, we are called to intercession. When we see heartbreak and pain, when we see impossibilities, we are called to intercession. We are asking God for his will to be released in our everyday circumstances for on earth as it is in heaven. And you know, now more than ever, I believe that God is calling his church to engage in intercession because when we look around us, there's so much that is not like heaven. There's so much that needs the kingdom of God to invade. And the way that he does that is through intercession and the prayer of the saints. Karl Barth, he says, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. You know, many times I think we view prayer more as a defensive measure against the enemy. In other words, I feel so attacked by the devil and so I'm going to pray. I feel so discouraged. I feel so overwhelmed and anxious. And so because of these attacks, I'm going to respond in prayer. And I find that too often we pray in reaction to the enemy instead of in response to the Father. Benny Johnson at Bethel, she reframes prayer not as a defensive measure, but as an offensive tactic against the works of the enemy. In in other words, instead of reacting to the enemy's attacks against us, we're responding to the will of the Father. And so we find that intercession brings about God's kingdom in our world. It's it's an offensive attack against the enemy in every realm of our lives. This is why in 2 Chronicles, the prophet says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. In other words, if we want to see our land healed, if we want to see breakthrough and we want to see heaven invading every part of our lives around us, it requires us to humble ourselves and to pray. And this is what intercession is. Intercession is the means through which God partners with humanity to release his power on earth, his healing, his breakthrough, his miracles, and his beauty. And this is the beautiful thing. Remember, God's original desire was to rule and reign over earth in partnership with us together. God's heart was never to snap his finger on his own and just make all things right. His heart and his desire has always been to partner with humanity in establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. And we find that intercession is one of the primary ways that God chooses to do this. The best illustration I can think of was, I remember I was tasked to do a science project when I was in elementary school. And how many of you remember those uh, science project volcanoes? Yo, I'm, I made the worst volcano, but um, bes- that's beside the point. I remember there was a time where we were tasked to make a vol- volcano for our science project. And so I approached my dad and I said, Dad, can you help me with this? Because I know that you have the insights and you have whatever it takes to get this thing done. Now, my dad could have easily just said, okay, I will do this myself. You're just going to get in the way. In fact, it's actually more work for him to do it with me than just to do it himself. 
But my dad's heart wasn't just to get this thing done that I was requesting, is that we would do it together. And in the same way, when we approach God with our requests, God does, just doesn't want to snap his finger and just do it for us. He wants to partner with humanity in bringing about his purposes and his kingdoms. And so we see that God will not do our part and we cannot do his part. In other words, our job is to pray and his job is to move and to break through. Sky Jathani, he says this, we are not merely passive set pieces in a prearranged cosmic drama, but we are active participants with God in the writing, directing, design, and action that unfolds. Prayer, therefore, is much more than asking God for this or that outcome. It is drawing into communion with him and there taking up our privileged role as his people in prayer. We are invited to join him in directing the course of his world. We are direct participants in God's plan for humanity, in him releasing his goodness and his kingdom over the earth. In other words, our prayers release the power of God into our lives, into our circumstances, and into our world. Now, I want to take a look at a passage in Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 13, that is a story that illustrates the power of prayer and the heart behind prayer. And it's actually a hilarious story if you sit back and take a look at what it's really trying to say. But it goes on to say, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, this is hilarious. Check this out. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This is savage. I want you to picture this. Imagine, let's just say Ying. I don't know why I just thought of Ying, but Ying, um, he needs food. And so in the middle of the night, he gets out of bed. He comes all the way over to my house. He's knocking on my door. Mickey, I need food. I need food. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And I say, I'm in bed. Yo, Ying, we put Fig to bed. We put Olive to bed. We're in bed. We lock the door. We're in our jammies. We're not getting up to give you food. But he's there. He's persisting. He's knocking. Mickey, I need food. I need food. And what this passage is saying is not because of my love for Ying, not because of my friendship with him, but simply because of the sheer audacity, the shameless audacity, as scripture says, that he would even have the nerve to get up in the middle of the night and knock on my door for food. Because of his shameless audacity, I will get up and give him food. In other words, not because of our friendship or a love for one another because of his shameless audacity to even ask. He, the, the author furthers this thought. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open." Church, how many of you know that only those who ask receive and that only those who seek find? 
And I think one big problem that the church often faces and deals with is this topic of unanswered prayer. But an even bigger problem that we face in the church is that we don't even ask. I wonder how many breakthroughs, miracles, healings we've missed out on, not because God didn't answer our prayers, but simply because we didn't ask. Unanswered prayer is a big problem, but an even bigger problem is unasked prayer. Ask and you shall receive. Bill Johnson, he says, some of God's promises only come alive when you pray them. You know, Every week I've been having to edit um, these streams, and it's a lot of gigabytes that I'm working with. It's a lot that, that I have to do on this tiny MacBook that I have. And my MacBook is worked hard, y'all. Like, it sounds like when I go running. Like, it's just struggling to get everything that I'm trying to make it do get done. And it's humming so loud. It's making noises throughout the entire day. It's so loud. It's overheating. It's barely getting by. But, you know, I, I remember um, when I would see my friends who would buy those iMacs. And those iMacs are really highly powered machines that are capable of doing a lot of things. But it's like if you bought an iMac and you're only using it. And it's, it has the highest specs. It has the highest things that you can imagine. But you're only using it for, let's say, watching YouTube videos or chatting with your friends on iMessage. That computer was actually designed for a lot of creatives to make music and produce music, to make big videos, or maybe for graphic design or video editing, or maybe even for gaming. It's designed to do so much more. But some people buy it and they only use it for its minimal functions. And in the same way, there are promises of God that we have access to as believers, but some of us are barely scraping by, only tapping into surface promises, not tapping into or utilizing every single thing that God has for us. And so some of God's promises only come alive. The way that we access his promises is we pray them. And maybe we're afraid of being disappointed. Maybe we're afraid to hope again. But unless we muster up the faith to ask, we won't be able to receive all that God has for us. I remember when Krista and I, um, we were just getting ready to get married, and there was this competition uh, by this organization called E-Church. And they're um, basically giving out free Disneyland tickets. And I remember we saw this and we're like, oh, it sounds cool. We really love Disneyland. We would love to go. And we're thinking, okay, yeah, maybe I'll enter. And so I'm entering, but I have no faith that we're going to win. And in the middle of entering, I hear God ask, like, do you want this? Like, yeah, of course. Like, I would love to go to Disneyland. And then I heard him say, just ask. And so I said, okay. I don't have much faith for it, but I'm going to ask. And so I'm typing out this um, application to get input into the contest, and I'm asking God, God, I would really like to get, go to Disneyland. Can I win this? And, you know, a few weeks later, we get a message from eChurch that we had actually won those Disneyland tickets. And I remember conversating with God at that moment saying, you know, there are many things that I want to give you, but I'm not going to give it to you until you ask. Ask, and you shall receive. Now, story continues here in Luke. It says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now, can you imagine if your kid's asking you for eggs, scrambled eggs, and more, dad, can I get scrambled eggs? And you give him a scorpion. It's crazy. 
says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, will, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I want, you to, I want to redirect this to this image of the throne room. Imagine that you're approaching the king. Maybe to help you visualize, imagine you're approaching someone that you highly respect. Maybe it's a celebrity. Maybe it's someone uh, with a high office or high ranking. Someone that you deeply respect that knows can actually meet your requests and do what you're asking them to do. But imagine that you're approaching this king or this high figure and you have this request. I don't know about you, but I would be terrified. I would approach so slowly. I would make sure that my words are perfectly organized But I want you to imagine a second picture. Imagine you're approaching this king with a request. But this king is actually your dad. How differently would you approach that king as opposed to if he was just a king who's far off, not related to you, versus a king who's actually your father? But this is the truth of intercession. We're not just approaching a king who's far off and distant. We're approaching our dad who wants the best for us who does not want to deceive us, but give us what we're asking for. Every time I read this, I'm reminded of a time in college. I used to live with two of my best friends, Philip and Christopher. And Christopher and I were more the crazy ones in the house. Philip was very, you know, he was um, by the books. He would study hard. He would do everything he's supposed to. He's super responsible. Chris and I were a little more on the other end of the spectrum. And I remember... um, Phil every morning had this thing where he would pour himself a bowl of cereal and give himself some milk and eat it to get his day started. I remember the night before, Chris and I were making milkshakes, and we ran out of our own milk, so we decided, okay, let's just use a little bit of Phil's milk. And so we used his milk, and we realized we had used the entire carton. And so we're kind of freaking out because it's late at night. All the grocery stores are closed. Like, what are we going to do? And so um, we decide, all right, let's just fill it with water. We weren't thinking. And so we fill this milk carton with water. We put it back in the fridge. Next morning, Phil comes out. You know, he's just getting his day started. He pours his bowl of cereal, grabs the milk, pours it out, discovers it's milky water, doesn't even say anything, just slams it down, walks out of the house, pissed. You know, it's... It was really messed up, first of all, and we have repented of that. Who does that? I know, right? But oftentimes when we approach God in prayer, I think we kind of have that attitude. That we kind of half expect that when we're pouring the milk that he's giving us, it's actually just going to be water. And we have this misguided understanding that whatever we ask for, God actually won't be faithful to respond. And so we come up with different scenarios we say okay god even if you don't it's okay instead of actually believing that he's a good father who will give us what he says he would and so we can trust that our father will give us what we ask and that if he doesn't we can trust it's because he has something better for us that maybe it's not whole milk maybe it's oat milk it's something better that he has for us we can trust him and so we see that prayer can actually move the heart of God and with it move God's hand. Now the thing that we have to, last thing that I want to touch upon, the last thing that we have to understand about intercession is this. Intercession sometimes means that we can contend or wrestle with God in prayer until we quote unquote win or see the outcome that we desire. In other words, there are times in prayer 
where it's not enough where we say, God, can you do this? I'll leave it in your hands. There are times where God calls us to contend and to actually wrestle with him until we see the breakthrough, until we see the promise that we are contending for. You know, there's a really strange story in Exodus 32. Moses is up on the mountaintop meeting with God. And while he's gone, in the short time that he's away, Aaron and the rest of the Israelites decide to take all the gold in their camp and melt it into idols that they start worshiping, the golden calf. And so while, while Moses is up there on behalf of his people, you know, looking out for the good of his peeps, His people are down there acting a fool, making false idols, bowing to it, worshiping it. And while Moses is up there, God says, hey, Moses, I'm enjoying this time that we're having together. But I want to give you a heads up. The people that you're here for, actually, they started making idols in the image of gold and they're worshiping it. They're actually disobeying me. They're acting a fool. Say, Moses, I'm about to destroy them. And in this interesting passage in Exodus 32, Moses, instead of saying, okay, God, that's your will, you do it. He actually pushes back and he starts contending and say, God, but wait, 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 wait. Would you remember that these are the people that you took out of Egypt? Would you remember your covenant and your promise with Abraham, with Isaac, with all our forefathers? God, would you relent and would you withhold your judgment and your destruction? And he was contending with God. And in an interesting turn of events, God actually says, I will relent. I will not destroy the people. You know, a lot of people, scholars read this and say, okay, okay, God didn't change his mind. He knew, no, God literally changed his mind. A man's prayer changed the movement of God's heart and in return, God's hand. And a people were spared from being destroyed. Because of a man's prayer. Walter Wink, he says, intercession is spiritual defiance of what is in the name of what God has promised. Intercessors visualize an alternative future to the one apparently faded by the momentum of current forces. Prayer infuses the air of a time yet to be into the suffocating atmosphere of the present. History belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. Intercessors have the power to shape the future and to move the heart and the hand of God. There are times where God wants us to pause and say, what is going on is not okay and it cannot continue. Sometimes God is calling humanity to to approach him and believe for a better future, to pray for a different outcome. And I find that sometimes in our prayer lives, we give up way too easily. We pray for something once, and because we don't see it come to pass immediately, we let it go. Or we spiritualize it and say, it just wasn't God's will. But there are times when we have to stand firm and say, God, I will not relent. I am going to keep contending until I see what you have promised, what you have willed into existence, that I am not going to stop praying until I see my relative healed. I am not going to stop praying until I see my family restored. I am not going to stop praying until I see my friend who is jobless find new work. I am not going to stop until I see the breakthrough that I am here for. 
This doesn't mean that we always get what we want when we pray, but in the process of contending and wrestling with God, his purposes are revealed and released. This is the power of intercession. There was a time in 2011 when we were planning a mission trip to Ethiopia and we were going to lead a mass crusade there. And it cost a lot of money. I think it was like $3,500 per person. There's about 12 of us on the team. Um, it's three days before we're set to leave. And we are still short $13,000. And so we're praying. We're praying and praying and we do not stop praying the next day. Still $13,000. We only got two days left. But we felt like this was a moment God is calling us, okay, not to just accept what's happening, but to contend in intercession, to not give up easily. And so we keep praying up until the moment we're at the airport. At the airport, we get a status update that not only had we met our goal, but we are $500 above what we are trying to raise. And we saw the breakthrough that we were contending for. There's another story of someone that we know who had been praying for their father to encounter Jesus for the longest time. And they had been praying for years. Their mom went to church. The rest of the family went to church. But this dad would not, was opposed to it. And so she was praying fervently, God, I'm contending and I am not going to be okay until I see this come to pass. Because the promise of your word is that all the family will come to to know Jesus. And so this person is praying this again and again, contending years after year of not seeing any breakthrough. But one day, um, the father had received, you know, those, um, if you grew up in a Korean church every year, um, they create one of those church calendars and they just give it out. They have those cheesy, um, Bible verses on it every single day. And so the mom had given, received one of these calendars from her church and just just gave it to the dad. And so the dad put it up, you know, just because it was a very useful calendar. And so the story was one day the dad was flipping through the calendar and came across a Bible verse that for some reason moved his heart so much that it made him want to go to church that week. And he went to church, gave his life to Jesus. And the results of months and years of intercession of contending of daughter and mother saying, I will not be okay until I see this come to pass was the result of a father meeting Jesus and inviting him into his life. Who thought a Korean throwaway church calendar could be used by God, but that's how God works. See, there are times where God calls us to enter into intercession and not to relent until we see what we are praying come to pass. And so 99 this week, Jesus is inviting you into the ministry of intercession. We live in a broken world. We're surrounded by broken people. There's so much going on around us that God is calling us to partner with him in releasing his breakthrough and releasing his will and his kingdom through the ministry of intercession. And as Jesus at this very moment is standing before the Father on our behalf, I believe that he is calling us to stand with him before God and joining with him in making intercession on behalf of our world. I remember one of my mentors told me, Mickey, as a pastor, this is very important that you remember this. Talking to people about God is good, but make sure that you spend more time talking to God 
about people. And in the same way, this week, we challenge you to step into the ministry of intercession, whether it's interceding for yourself or interceding for those that you love or interceding for the world around us. What we're going to do is every single day, we're going to throw you a prayer schedule in the email and on our Instagram. Every day, we're going to have a topic of intercession. And that day, we want you to pray in intercession on behalf of that topic. Every single day, a new topic. And so that's one way that you can engage in intercession with us as a community is praying into those intercession topics throughout the week and praying, God, would your will be released over this particular area? But the second thing is today, after the service, what we're going to do is we're going to do something a little bit differently. We're actually going to throw up a Zoom link, and we want you to join us in a quick session of intercession and prayer as we're praying for different topics. And so this is one way that you can engage with us in prayer, and there's something about seeing other faces and hearing other voices, knowing that we're not just praying on our own, but we're praying collectively as a community and as a family. And so that Zoom link is going to go up after we finish this sermon as we conclude this time of our service. And we challenge each and every one of you to join us for this brief little time as we're praying together and interceding together for various things. I want to end with this quote. This is by Henry Nguyen, um, someone that we drew a lot of insight from in the, the past few weeks. He says this, One of the experiences of prayer is that it seems that nothing happens. How many of you have been there? But when you start with it and look back over a long period of prayer, you suddenly realize that something has happened. What is most close, most intimate, most present often cannot be experienced directly, but only with a certain distance. When I think that I am only distracted, just wasting my time, something is happening too immediate for knowing, understanding, and experiencing. Only in retrospect do I realize that something very important has taken place. I guess I just want to encourage you, and I want you to remember that our prayers actually work that it actually changes things, that we are in the throne room of God and he hears our prayers, but not only does he hear our prayers, but he acts upon them. And maybe in this season you've been praying, saying, Mickey, okay, intercession, great. All this is good, but I've been praying. I've been praying for my family to be reconciled. I've been praying for coronavirus to go away. I've been praying for my family member and my friend who's out of a job. I have been praying, but I don't see it. God isn't answering. And what Henry Nguyen is reminding us that sometimes proximity to the thing that we're praying for blinds us from seeing that God is actually moving. And sometimes it takes looking back after an extended amount of time saying, oh my God, I didn't see it then, but God was working. God was moving. God was doing that. God was doing the very thing I was asking, but I was just too close to see it. And if I can encourage you with anything today, church, is that your intercession and your prayer works. It moves heaven. It moves the heart of God. It moves the hand of God. And so today, church, let's pray with faith. This week, let's pray with faith that even if we don't see anything immediately happening, we know that God is working something out for our good. And so I'm going to close us in this time of prayer. Then we're going to shoot up the Zoom link and we're going to go in and pray together. Why don't we pray? God, we thank you, Lord, first and foremost. And Jesus, you are making intercession on our behalf. You are praying for us. 
You're praying for your will to be accomplished in our lives. You're praying for our job situations. You're praying for our discouragement. You're praying for our anxiety. You're praying for our broken relationships and our hopelessness. But God, second, we thank you for inviting us in to the beautiful work of releasing your kingdom here on earth through intercession. And so God, today, would you empower us? Would you challenge us to partner with you in releasing your power and your breakthrough here on this earth? We love you. We thank you that you are faithful to respond and to move. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.